welcome back to Not So Southern Gentlemen. I'm Ricky. And I'm Sean. Today is July 11th. We have just recently returned from the Paragould, Jonesboro area, and uh, Sean's got some things to say about our misadventures today. Yes, yes. We went to the Friendly Neighborhood Comic Expo, and we had a blast. Let me say, uh, first off, that I've already been on their Facebook page, and they have confirmed that next year is already a go. We had a good turnout. I'm glad we get to go back again next year. I'm going to look forward to that. Hopefully they get a better venue. Not that it was a bad venue for our first year expo, but the timing. Did you notice, you know, there's a lot of swimming people there. We were there at the same time as a swim meet. So parking was a little sparse. But that's not where our adventure begins. Oh, no. Oh, no, my friend. First, I wake up at 530 in the morning and have to drive through torrential downpours to get to your house and then i think oh i've made it to your place now the easy part goes no no that's that's not because apparently you have forgotten how to drive to the town where we both lived for so many years now to be fair like i told you where I got lost, I had never seen before in that area. They, Just because they opened a, road a new had... part of the road that I, nobody told me about. Yes. Well, I guarantee you, we will not forget that. After we turned around about uh, three times. We turned around three times. We did not turn around But three we times. found our way. We found our way there. And we had a blast. We got to see a bunch of really awesome people. Michael Graves... The uh, lead singer for about two albums of The Misfits was there. Uh, I was going to say John Lucas, artist of the original Sin series of Deadpool, is what I mainly know him for. Uh, he's also done Spider-Man, a detective comic. He has worked all over the comic book industry. Very awesome, nice gentleman. I spoke with him probably 10, 15 minutes Two or three times, and each time he was just, hey, how's it going, and just strike up conversation, and off we go. And then, like you said, we got to meet Dante from Clerks, Brian O'Halloran. I have in front of me, I've already framed it. I have Clerks, the animated series uh, print with Dante's face on there. And uh, to Sean, I'm not even supposed to be here today, Brian O'Halloran. It's already framed on my wall. Looks great. Right next to my... John Lucas uh, Ghost Rider print, which is also already framed. I'm telling you, I had a blast. This may have been the smallest con that we went to this year, but I had a awesome time. The people there were so nice. The booths were just as friendly as could be. Uh, I believe because it was so small, don't you think, that they were just way more interactive with the people that were there. Right, yeah, it was uh, it was a real fun experience. In fact, one of the people we've gotten to know since we've started touring these comic shows, Bill's Comics, uh, was there yet again. This is about the third time we've uh, ran into each other, and this guy is really great. Mr. Bill's Comics, you can get in touch with him, mrbill.comics at gmail.com, uh, made me some amazing deals on some Transformers comics i was looking for you know just a, a really great guy or a really good to talk to and uh, i'm looking forward to seeing him again at one of our next conventions we hit oh yeah he, he's a super nice guy he's who i got the uh the x factor uh number 24 off of with uh, archangel that's who i got that off of was mr bill uh, i believe you hooked me up with that deal you had uh Earned a little credit with him, and you uh, pushed it towards my comic, so I was able to walk away with a nicer comic than uh, I expected. You had uh, you cleaned up on some GI Joe, didn't you? Yeah, actually, uh, I picked up a couple of GI Joe I had when I was a child that went missing years ago, and uh, but mainly the GI Joe comics I got were for a friend of mine here in town who who hooked me up with his list, and I, I said I'd try to help him out since he couldn't make it and and he he scored a a few comics so i was happy to do it that is awesome now if i remember right what did you find from your childhood you found a certain comic didn't you digging digging and digging through uh i don't even know if we got a com or a card from that gentleman 
the the one that was super nice and you found the the detective comics or was it a batman that you had found from your childhood it was a detective comic years years ago years ago you know old yard sales and stuff like that i found a few comics there was a i remember there was a star wars comic there was a couple of transformers comics i think and then there was a dc comic and i knew i i didn't know it was a detective comic at the time but it had batman uh, and he had a glass cutter. I know this is a really weird th- uh, thing to remember, but Batman had a glass cutter and he threw it at somebody's gun and 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 caused an explosion. And that that kind of stuck with me. I just have that memory of reading that, thinking, man, that's kind of cool. That's probably my one hook of Batman comics whenever I was young. And I did a little research a while back, and I, I think I had found that issue, but I never found it before. And then at this at this convention, I was able to find it. So that was. That was kind of a good moment. I reread it and it felt really good about it. I thought the artist was Gene Colan, uh, but it may not have been. But uh, I, I was really happy to get it. That's awesome. Like I said, I I cannot say enough about the experience we had at Friendly Neighborhood Comic Expo. I'm glad it'll be back next year. I can't wait to see what the lineup they pull for next year. I mean, how do you top a first-year you know, they're really going to have to work to top a first year expo like they did with the lineup that they had. Uh, the lineup for this one was as good as anyone. Well, almost as good as anyone we uh, have been to this year. I will say that only because River City had Neil Adams, which was pretty awesome. Other than that, it was a, it was just a really great time. We had a really nice day. The weather Turned out to be really good. After that, we were able to go to a few of the local places around and try to put the word out about the podcast. But you wanted to stop by someplace a little different first. Yeah, I hadn't been there in a very long time. But our, uh, whenever we lived in Jonesboro, there was a place I discovered right in the middle of a bean field. I'd heard about it. And I was like, what? I gotta see this. And it's a... Uh, just out in the middle. I mean, you gotta know where it's at. You gotta turn on the right road. You don't. If you miss the sign, you're turning around and going around. And there is a small shed uh, full of old records, old toys, and old comics called Tim's Weird World in the middle of a bean field in Paragold, Arkansas. And it is not exaggerating. It was down a county road on a off of a county it was on a county road off of a county road and it was tiny and it was definitely tim's weird world yeah and i mean news has gotten out you know over the years that that was there and the first time i went there was just a plethora of uh, you know vintage stuff comics i I could swear it was bigger maybe he uh, had the back opened at, at one time but, uh, I mean, at, whenever we walked in there, he still had, boom, a USS flag with a box, a bunch of G.I. Joe stuff, 80s uh, vintage toys like Inhumanoids and uh, Sectars and the what the one that's coming back, uh, IDW has the rights to, or Hasbro. Visionaries. Yeah, he had one of those there. And, you know, just a fun place to just go and look around. You know, kind of like... Uh, if you went to a flea market, but it had the stuff you wanted to look through. So that's that's always a nice place to go and, and just and just piddle around. Oh, I totally agree with you. It definitely has, now that you bring it up, a flea market feel. But what was nice is he was just chatting it up with us. We were walking around the store, and he was just standing up there by the register just talking to us about this, about that, about you know everything from the expo to... The USS Flag, you had asked about that. I mean, he knew everything that was in there. I was amazed at the amount uh, of toys that were in there. Like, I wish half of them had been on card, but they were. a lot of them were open. Uh, but many of them seemed to have a lot of the accessories still with them. His comment selection was down. He said he had dropped off on comics and picked up on vinyl, which he did. He had way more vinyl. Than he did comics, but 
I would say he had the equal amount of toys as he did vinyl. Yeah, a bunch of good stuff in there. Uh, it, it was really fun to stop by and, and see that. So if you're ever in Paragold, Arkansas, ask somebody, find out how to get there, and just swing through, you know, tell him hi, talk to him for a little bit, and you may come out with a couple of gems you didn't know you could find in the middle of a bean field. Exactly. Then uh, we had went and stopped by another place where I had been, what, probably 20 years ago? No, not maybe maybe 15 plus years ago. I had went into a comic store that was under a different name, and now it had moved. And you actually uh, knew the man manning the shop that day, didn't you? Dave, yeah. At uh, Rogue's Gallery Comic. And that was a that was a really clean shop. Everything it seemed a little more uh, up to date. All the modern comics that were coming out, probably relatively newer. Would you say that the back list, you know, the back uh, section wasn't extremely large, but everything you would need to catch up on comics today was definitely in there. And the atmosphere was excellent. There was a family in there right when we were there, and they were checking out. I believe they had a kids section that was 50% off at that time, something like that. We looked through a whole section of – oh, go ahead. I think it was the trade section. Right. Yeah, and we looked at those trade paperbacks. Actually, the soft-backed ones were $5, and the hard-backed ones were 10 Like, you can't beat that online. It was just a great comic shop. Uh, If you're in Jonesboro, you should definitely go by – uh, Rogue Galleries comics and check that out. Yeah. Uh, just seemed like an awesome place. Really nice people were running the shop there. Yeah, and Dave Dave is quite a character, but he's knowledgeable. He knows. If you walk in and go, hey Dave, what should I be reading? He will point you in exactly the right direction. Uh, he'll, he'll give you his recommendation. He'll ask you what you like, and then he'll give a recommendation based on that, and I guarantee you he'll be within 90% of you going, wow, this is perfect for me. <laughs> this is this is what I wanted, and I didn't even know it. And that was pretty much our weekend, other than Sunday was a day of rest in this household. I don't know about you, but I was zonked after that. It was definitely a long day of driving, but on to further news. You have video games that we played growing up, I believe we had seen, at Tim's Weird World, we had seen an Atari 2600. And you brought this up while we were driving. You had asked uh, what my first system was. I did have an Atari 2600. I did not have a lot of games for it. What I do remember is Pong, Pitfall, Space Invaders, and Missile Command. I believe that's all I ever had. Oh, man. Woo! Okay, where do I begin? Oh, I loved... You know, that that Christmas, like 81, 82, 83, somewhere in there, a long time before most people were born that I talk to these days, Pac-Man, Combat, Donkey Kong. I remember finding that Donkey Kong and almost crying. I was so happy that I could play Donkey Kong at home. (laughs) That Uh, is awesome. Moon Patrol. Oh, my gosh. There was one called Yars Revenge. And a lot of these, you know, the video games of the time weren't that great but you know the at the time they were and then plus the box art on them like if you ever get a chance look up atari box art in fact there is an art book coming out you could probably find it on amazon of the box art of atari games like yars revenge looked amazing looked like a uh, uh cross between a journey and iron maiden cover i mean it was just this stuff inspired your imagination and then you played off these simple 8-bit games and with the that came with books that had a little behind the scenes story and i know they're hard to play nowadays but man when they were a kid they they really set your imagination off um and that's that was just the beginning now i went from straight from an atari 2600 i didn't go up to like the 5200 or anything like that my next love was the nintendo same here other than the fact that Spoiler alert, Santa Claus is not real. I uh, I had done some snooping in my parents' closet and found a Sega system. And Christmas morning, when we wake up to see what Santa Claus brings, I see a Sega system sitting there. Now, 
I don't remember how it went, but I probably didn't handle it as well as I should have being a child. But I do remember we did get a Nintendo later. All we ever played was we opened it up and we played, uh, I believe you got Afterburner. I believe Afterburner was the game that came with that. We played that and then we returned that and I got an NES. And that was that was the first system that I remember out of the box. Uh, I don't believe we bought the 2600. It was a hand-me-down. So my first true system that I opened the box of was my NES. Let's back that truck up for just a sec. The Sega you got, you got the Sega Master System? Yes, Sega the one, Master The one system. comparable to the NES at the time. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Now, yeah, and it was huge. You know, if you remember right, it was probably twice the size of an NES. Maybe not as tall, but it was twice as wide. It, at least it seemed that way when I was a child. Yeah, it seemed more like the Atari than the NES ended up. What, what, game, Correct. what games did you uh, play on the NES? The NES, we had a ton. Um, my family friend from back home was running a video store at the time. And so we just went in and picked up whatever games were out. And we could rent games unlimited and keep them as long as we wanted and then return them. Yeah, I was I was spoiled in that aspect. I do remember Beat Mario, Beat Zelda. There was just so many good games on the NES. Uh, now that I go back, I, I have trouble remembering. I know one game, Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Loved Mike Tyson's Punch Out. And I don't think I'm wrong when I say the code to fight Mike Tyson is 0073736973. I believe, I believe that's the code that'll take you straight to Mike Tyson. You look that up. I want the. I want fact checking on that. I don't believe that. That's BS. I'll have to look it up. My uh, first loves with Nintendo were Mario Duck Hunt. I, I've talked to my love for Castlevania. That first Castlevania game was just a breath of fresh air. I mean, you hadn't played a game like that when those came out. Metroid. Even the even the Mario's and Donkey Kong's like Donkey Kong, uh, Donkey Kong Junior, a Donkey Kong Three maybe. I can't remember the one where the guy's got the bee. He he's, he has he have to spray the beehive and keep Donkey Kong away. Yes. Hold on. Pause that thought for a moment. I said zero zero seven three seven three six nine seven three. You were correct. I was wrong. It's zero zero seven three seven three. Five nine six three. I don't care who you are. That's close enough, man. After <laughs> after twenty plus years, that's close enough. Oh, I found it. I found it. Detective Comics number five thirty six. That's the one. It's got Deadshot yes. on the cover. It was Deadshot that Batman was fighting. Nice. Good job. You, he fought Will Smith. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the rest of my Nintendo was, you know. Mega Man. I, I can't speak to how much Mega Man I loved when I was little. I, I don't so much play the games nowadays. I don't have the knack for it anymore. But, man, just I have some great memories. Especially beating Mega Man 2. Uh, just that ending always stuck with me. Uh, one of yeah. my favorite games on the NES was Blaster Master. Did you ever play that? Yes. Blaster Master was a great game. Did you happen to play any of the cheesy stuff like the friday the 13th games was the ninja turtles that ninja turtles the first yes, ninja turtles the first was NES. Horrible... yes oh my goodness where you had to choose between the turtles and they all shared the same health pool i believe it I was horrible all in all the most frustrating thing about that game is that there and anybody who's played this will know where i'm talking about there is one little section that you cannot jump you cannot find a way to jump over it. Years later. You can later, walk over it. You can walk over it. Yes. My my brother found that out. He, he we, we knew about it. He figured it out. I'm telling you, there were a lot of games we played on the NES that we would get stuck on. And I'm telling you, as much crap as I give my brother, all you got to do is give him a few hours by himself with any video game. He'll have it down. He figured out tons of stuff. Do you remember a game called Section Z? Oh, my God. Yeah. Now, it had been rumored in, uh, I believe, in Nintendo Power that there was only one way to beat the game. 
Like every other way, it had a continuous selection of rooms, and you had to pick top, bottom. When you cleared a room, you had to select top or bottom. Well, the thing was, if you could ever beat the game and then take a picture of the ending screen, you would get your name and stuff in Nintendo Power. My brother and I tried for that for literally weeks. We would not turn off the Nintendo. We would leave it on just so that we could keep trying to win the Section Z and have our names be in Nintendo Power. Right, we need to throw in a little context there. If if you're not aware, a lot of these games did not have save states. So if you turned off the game, you were done. You started over from the beginning. That's right. That's horrible. I did not play any other system until the PlayStation. Well, I did me, not own any other system until well, the PlayStation. Well, let me let me take over then there because my next system after Nintendo. For some reason, I, I got jaded against Nintendo. I think it was those damn Zelda commercials, and I, I know that's sacrilege to say. Don't get me wrong, Zelda is a great game, but they had these certain commercials that would play for Zelda with this annoying guy. Drove me insane. I could not play the game, it, and that's all totally on me. But I became disenchanted with Nintendo right around the time of the next generation. The Super Nintendo rolled out. A friend of mine had it, and it was really good. But I went with the Sega Genesis. Oh, with, uh, you Sonic, lucky man! Sonic the Hedgehog. Well, I don't know. I played Sonic so much. I, I don't. I really couldn't tell you. They had a great Castlevania. Bloodlines was on there. A great X Men game. Oh, that yes. X Men game. The X-Men game was great. Did you have a uh, Sega CD ever? I did. I had the... Oh, I had the you had Sega CD? I had Sega CD. I had the Dracula game that came out with it. I had Sewer Shark. Did, did you have uh, Sewer Rat? Is that what it was sewer called? Sewer Shark. Where, yeah, Sewer Shark. Where, where you're the Marine and... Oh, my goodness. My friend had that, and I play, he'd bring it over to my house. I would play that game relentlessly i loved that game it was so much fun because all it was was memorizing commands up down left right and then you'd have to memorize that and then take those tunnels yeah but i never had the 32x i I didn't i didn't stretch it that far but once once that was over and done with i think me and you both went to the playstation what was your first experience with the playstation because i'm wondering if if yours was the same as mine if because this is where Sean and Ricky start crossing the streams. Yes, yes. PlayStation era is where we met. I believe we could say that. And honestly, let's just let's just go there. You know, yeah, the, let's go the there. place where it, the it, place it, where it, it's Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Tony what? Hawk's Pro Skater was my first PlayStation. Just uh, to this day, I love that game. Well, I love hold Tony on. The original. Okay. What I'm talking about is about the time the first person I knew with the PlayStation was Dawson. Yes. Now, did you okay. go, did you go to Dawson's? This was the Negative. time. This, I did okay, because this was the time of Buck and uh, yes. Tony and yes. Patrick. Yes. And we'd all load up after yes. closing, go to Dawson's, play Battle Arena to Shinden all night. Oh my goodness! Oh God, it's coming back. The, the listeners are totally confused by all these names, and they're totally thinking you have some weird-named friends. Yeah, I do. Oof. But, anyway, but they were good people, let me tell you. Let yeah, me tell you. Well, good people. Besides the one. But anyway, <laughs> that's, that's not the point. Battle Arena to Shinden. If, if you love games like Virtua Fighter, if you love games like Tekken, you owe something to Battle Arena to Shinden. That I really wish they would update that game because I have I have love for that that is just not not fulfilled these days. But after that, yes, of course, was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, somebody's apartment, and Grind King Masters. Yeah. Yes, and you can't you cannot bring up the PlayStation without saying the Final Fantasy games. I mean, that was the first time we. Good Lord, I remember uh, buying Final Fantasy games. And it being four or five discs. For people that don't know, you used to play games with multiple discs. You would play up to a certain point, and then at that point in the game, you would have to change a disc. Wow, we've come a long way, but those Final Fantasy games were what all of us people that are old 
that's what we we ground our teeth on, man. Th- those were the games that were awesome. I didn't. You didn't? I didn't. My first PlayStation game that I owned, I bought a PlayStation at Walmart, and the first game I bought with it, the game that put me over the edge, was Resident Evil 2, because I played the demo in Walmart, and it was great. Mm. The original Resident Evils, and and I, I'm I'm digging this retro gaming section that we have going here. I, I did not expect it to be like this when we uh, when we started this topic, and I'm just digging it. Did you happen to play uh, the first Silent Hill? I did not. I never played any of the Silent Hill games. Oh man, the first Silent Hill was just incredible. I loved it. But now, what what really made me want to even go back and try those was the movie. Because I thought that was really interesting. Uh, and I enjoyed that first movie. The first movie gets a lot of grief. But for anybody that actually played the game, that's the sad ending. <laughs> yes. that I mean, I, I believe that's the way it worked out. Technically, in the, in the game, was the movie had the sad ending. You, you had to beat the game at a certain point in time. And you would get a different, different ending. And that was the sad ending. <laughs> but uh, back back to the games that we played. Um, my second game that I got, I, I think I got it on the same day because I, I love that Resident Evil game and I played it, thought it was great. Never got Hunk and I never got Tofu. Sorry, I wasn't that good of a gamer. But there was this game. I was like, wait a minute, this this looks familiar. And it was called Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I was like, I wonder what this is about. No. This has a shitty picture of a castle on it, but I used to love Castlevania. I love that game. Love it. I know you do. I know you do. I'm staring at a picture of the first Castlevania game right here beside my desk. Ladies and gentlemen, this man is still waiting for a video game that he likes better than Castlevania Symphony of the Night. It's 2016. He's still waiting on a game he likes better, I guarantee you. From then on, I've had everything else from then on. PlayStation. Right, but you, you've also been a big Xbox fan at, at one time. I had the original Xbox with the fat controller. Ended up selling that to buy a 360. And I let the 360 go by the wayside when uh, PlayStation exclusives started to come out that I cared about for my PS3 way more than 360. So my, my 360 is, it's in a closet somewhere, honestly. It's sitting. Uh, I don't have any physical games for it. I traded them all off at Hastings uh, for credit to turn in stuff on PlayStation. Microsoft lost me for a long time, and PlayStation's all I have now. I just have PS4 is all I play, and I do have uh, some PC games that I play. Well, but now- P- PS4 is the bomb, though. Well, now, let's go back to that. I mean, let's give Microsoft a little love. For a long time, you were hardcore Xbox. You had you had HD uh, video, DVD. Yes, and... yes, okay. What were you playing on if, Xbox? If we're bringing that up, I did believe HD was going to beat Blu-ray, and I spent the money and bought the HD player. <clears throat> and the last I checked in my closet right now, I have 23 HD movies, and let me tell you, people, uh, they were not cheap. <laughs> they were not cheap, but I, I have them, and they aren't worth anything, and they're sitting in a closet. What games did I play, though? My favorite Xbox game is Fable. Oh, yeah. Man, that, I loved Fable. That was huge when it came out. Uh, that that was one that I went, uh, maybe Xbox? Oh, you're a chicken chaser. <laughs> I love that game. I love going and how you can control how good you were or how evil you were. It, it was awesome. It, it, was, it was really, I mean, we were guided, but we had that open RPG feel to it. Yes, there were only certain paths we could take. Yes, there were only certain roads we could take. And there was a limited number of choices. But it was one of the first games that I remember having choices and doing stuff like that. It, it was a great game. I had a blast with that. After that, I had a 360. And 360 was really great. Um, I, I, I still had tons of games that I loved on 360. 
Uh, I loved Halo. I mean, in my, I was in the Air Force by the time that came around, and my shop was a Halo shop. We no, no, would go on lunch and play Halo. Now, hold we on would... a second. You, you didn't love Halo. You would shame me for not playing Halo. You well, might even I, still to this day shame me I, for not I playing still, Halo. I still, shame, <laughs> shame upon you. Yeah, Halo was incredible, man. That was a... That was a uh, a gaming phenomenon for a while. I mean, you you have to respect it. it. The just the original Halo was incredible. The land parties that would occur. The it was one of the first times where people were coming together. The non extreme nerds that had never been to a land party or knew what a land party was. Halo brought that about. You know, you and then Halo Two even just took it even further because you had Xbox Live and you could play online with these people. And it was incredible. It was really good time, and I really enjoyed my Halo and Xbox 360 experience. There's there's no doubt about that. You you call me on that one. I mean, I agree with you. I loved my 360. Right, and, that, and now we're up to the modern systems. I mean, everybody's dipped their toes in that a little. I, I haven't got my PS4 yet. You're a huge PS4 fan, but... Also, on that same note, you brought up PC gaming, and my history with PC gaming is is not that great. I went from, oh, let's see, in college was the first time I, I was able to handle a computer with any any sort of power, and we were we were all playing, you know, Wolfenstein and Doom, and and doing text based adventure stuff, and uh, gosh, if dang. you're playing Doom, IDDQD is God mode. Yeah, I remember that. But my game, the one that pulled me in, the one I had at home, and the my first love computer game was Quake. Oh, Quake. Excellent game. Excellent game to start off with. Yeah, it just had something to it. It built on the Doom engine, and uh, I believe it was a newer engine that they, that they made for that. And some games, up until very recently, still used the Quake engine. But that game was so versatile. People everywhere made mods to it. There was one uh, BotCon I went to. They had all land party set up where they had reskinned. They had all these skins of actual Transformers you could transform in the game. I don't know how they built that mechanic into the game. But they could transform your character into a car or whatever. And they basically run was your drive. And uh, man, I just I just loved that game. I mean, that's that's where I got stuck. My next PC game would probably have been uh, where I played with you and WoW. So, but where where, oh. where 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 did you start with PCs? I, I've never owned a PC of any significant power, other than what it took to power WoW. That was my first MMORPG. That was. Really, my only MMORPG that I played significantly. And uh, as you can attest, I did play significantly. <laughs> and we're not, we're not talking just, hey, I've, I've dipped my toes in WoW. Uh, we're talking world first, server first, leader of guilds, and, and all that kind of mess. That, you, were, you had WoW all up over you, and you loved it. Yes, I did. Um, that was the only thing. I I built my computer to play WoW. That is what I did. I had um, Circuit City was going out of business. So this was probably 2008-ish. The Wrath of the Witch King expansion had not came out yet. I believe it was still Burning Crusade. And I was able to go to a... Circuit City that was going out of business and walked in and they always, you know, those places, Best Buy still does it today. You'll go up and they'll have the show PC where they have it fully decked out and they have, you know, video games playing on them right there. And they're like, this is what you need to buy. Well, that's what I bought. And it was normally over $2,000, I believe. And I walked out of there for $330. Nice! Yes. And that was my WoW machine until I quit WoW. It's still sitting in a closet right now. And that literally, WoW was my 
experience with PC gaming. I have a laptop that I use now that I can play some Steam game. I've played some CSGO. I've played some medieval games on here. You know, uh, Half-Life, Half-Life 2. played those. But my PC just isn't strong enough right now to be a gaming machine. I do most of my gaming, uh, you know, 95% of it's on the PS4. If I do any more gaming, it's it's going to be PS3, PS4. I've got a PS4 game, Transformers Devastation. I got it on uh, Black Friday. It was 25 bucks. I do intend on getting a PS4. I swear to God, I do. I, I hope you do. But, um, you know, that, that pretty much ends our segment. I just wanted to go in and, and hit video games real hard and, and get those nostalgia feels going. Uh, we're getting close to San Diego. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah, man, such a good topic. Uh, I'm glad you put this in here. I had a blast doing this. Uh, I hope people listening enjoyed thinking back as to what their first games were, what their first systems were. If you're listening to this, tweet us. Tell us what your first system was. I want to know. Yeah. Sorry, to, sorry to throw that plug no, in there. No, no, no. But, 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 I, but. Yeah, but I mean, gaming is uh it, it's a big deal. We're we're not just comic books and movies. We're gamers as well. And and you and you were leading into San Diego Comic-Con, which is a little more what people might be used to hearing from us. And uh what do you got? Yeah, coming up uh San Diego Comic-Con July 21st through 24th and and only like 10 days. So we're about to see a bunch of movie, comic, toy news coming out the yin-yang. Uh, normally we get a bunch of uh, Transformers. As a Transformers fan, I get really lucky because I get two shows a year. We get BotCon, of course, which premieres a lot of the toys and news. And then they save some stuff for Comic-Con to see more of the new stuff coming out. And every year, Hall H is packed. It's getting better and better. Stuff coming out. Uh, they are... They are claiming this year they're going to do some new anti-piracy stuff, which, you know, my my opinion on all that is, it, 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 I understand you want to have something held back special for the people that go, but, you know, all this stuff is up 24 hours later online anyway. You really should be going, hey guys, here's this, you get to preview it early, boom, rest of the world gets it, you know, two hours after the premiere. That cuts down on your piracy. If you don't want stuff out on the web, don't show it. And I know that that gets under some people's skin, but, you know, guys, if you're showing public performance stuff, and I know you could say all day long, this room, no videotaping, no pictures and stuff, it's going to happen. Just nip that in the bud get rid of it, put everything up an hour later, those guys got their exclusive, they get the right about it first, their sites get hit first, it's fine, but give it to the rest of the world because that's what we want to see. Right, and, and I totally agree with you that, you know, uh, E3 just happened a few weeks ago, and we were able, you were able to go on YouTube and live stream E3 events. You could watch presentations for free. Now, if Comic Con want San Diego Comic Con wants to be a little different, I ain't gonna lie. Back when I was into WoW, I paid the twenty five dollars and I would watch the live stream of BlizzCon. Absolutely, I was about but, to bring that up. Yeah, right. But I got to watch it when they did because you shouldn't eliminate me because I I cannot afford, you know, to pack up my family, fly to San Diego, spend four days at a con. And then fly back. Uh, that that is way out of my budget, and that is not in my time frame of work or anything. And I know that's not Comic Con's fault, but you would think they might want to cater to the user like us, you know, the person like us. Yeah, and I, I can't tell you the logistics behind it, but I mean, it's just a missed opportunity because I can tell you that everybody like you, me. The people I know that talk about this stuff, we would pay up to $20 for a, a website called Hall H, and you just stream the live video coming out of there. I, I don't see why they... you. Everybody's about making a buck nowadays, and you'd think they would take advantage of making a buck. But I, I will say this. 
it is one of my dreams to be able to go to San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con. I don't care if I'm 50 years old. If I'm 50 and I can finally afford it and San Diego Comic-Con is still happening, I'm going, my friend. I'm going. It's going down. I will be that weird guy that you're like, why is he here? Yeah, I'm here because I couldn't afford it when I was young. Yeah, but uh, me and a couple of other guys at work were talking about trying to get uh, maybe some San Diego Comic-Con tickets. And, I, of course, I told them, like, guys will sell out in, like, seconds. They're like, oh, no, no, you can just get some. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, if you've got the time and, and got the patience and you're lucky enough, yeah, you, you could actually get some. They do go to people. They get sold. But uh, and then getting out there is a whole a whole different thing. I'm not yeah. sure they thought it through, but oh, it it would it would be so difficult to get tickets for uh, San Diego Comic Con. I mean, I, I think it's easier for the people that actually live there in that area. I believe they they probably have a little easy way to get those. I'm going to Audible. We're gonna we're gonna kill news. Um, there isn't there isn't much to talk about anyway, besides what we've already hit. What about something that we haven't talked about? The Game of Thrones finale. Now, did you end up seeing that? I have seen it. So, should we say if you haven't seen it? Well, let's let's, let's go up. ahead and hit our hit our outros, and then if you want to stick around with us, we're going to talk the Game of Thrones season finale. If you haven't seen it, you can cut out now uh, after we uh, say our goodbyes, and we'll give you a little uh, spoiler time. That's right. I know this has become like a thing for us, but look, we we know there's people listening. I know personally somebody that listens to this podcast that is not caught up on Game of Thrones. And Luke, when you listen to this, now is the time where you can stop listening. <laughs> he hasn't seen uh, the caught up on Game of Thrones. So right now I'd like to say you can find me at Maynard98 on Twitter you can email us at notsosoutherngentleman at gmail.com. Rick? You can find me at Ricky Westbrook on Twitter. If you have any questions, comments, anything for us, we would appreciate your feedback, constructive criticism, critiques, any way, shape, or form. We enjoy interacting with people. We've had, I've had a few Twitter interactions lately. I enjoy that. I appreciate that. I will be quick to respond to you. I do work normal 40-hour-a-week job, but I have my phone on me almost all the time. There's a few times throughout the day that I don't have it. I will respond to you. I will get back to you. So hit us up. See if we'll respond. Put us to the test. And from this point forward will be the Game of Thrones finale discussion. Do, 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 do. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay, where do we start? Do we want to start with... Uh... Uh, fire in the hole, or do we want to start with uh, uh, oh, superhero you, you landing, gotta, or where we're no, we going? No, no, no. You got to, you got to go fire in the hole, man. <laughs> oh look, my look, gosh! I, Wildfire. I, I read, look, I read, I read a meme, and, and it said it had it all. It said, "I'm here to love my children and blow shit up, and I'm all out of children." <laughs> well, first of all, let's talk about the juxtaposition between the last two episodes. Now. I don't know if you... We didn't discuss this, but the director of Battle of the Bastards, which is a completely separate, different kind of episode, direction, tone, was the same director of the finale. Okay. Man, it was it was just... That guy... Yeah, it, that it, guy, completely You bring different that feel. guy back. That is amazing. That, I, that blew my mind when I heard that because Battle of the Bastards is just like... It's like Braveheart. Crossing. Only more heart-wrenching. Uh, man, I mean, the the directing, the 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 heat of battle, the well, you, the look I, I on felt, people's... I felt, I felt suffocated, you know, uh, because it was such close-quarters combat, and I'm sure that's the way it would be back then. You know, I mean, you were way more likely just to get your head smashed in by a horse running by as you were getting your head chopped off by a sword. One of the things that George R. R. Martin is known for is that sense of impending dread. Like, And, and you probably know this moment. It's, it's the moment right before something gets revealed. Everything's gone wrong. 
the look it's it's the Toy Story 3 moment basically you're accepting oh. you're accepting the fate about about what's about to happen and then suddenly without warning there is a, a respite from from the normal George R R Martin and there is a there's a moment where horses come in and soldiers come in and Jon Snow's you know back in business and everything you're like oh what what what's happening is this really happening and uh yeah. man that and i know we're talking about the finale but let, let's finish talking about uh, uh battle of the bastards where john snow faces down ramsey and picks up the shield mm-hmm. and just takes the arrows oh man well, that, that well is, here, here's that is the my here's the way moment oh exactly it it, it it's definitely an awesome moment but if you think about it from uh, everything from Battle of the Bastards up to the point to Littlefinger showing up with his army. From that point forward, that the ending there through the season finale has the same feel. You're, they were closing off storylines. They were wrapping up loose ends. And, I, and it made the, the viewer feel happy. I mean, I, I can honestly say I watched the season finale feeling good about everything that happened. Everything that happened was good. What What is going on here? I was more shocked that I was watching a season finale and I felt good about every single thing that was happening. Yeah, which, it felt so out of place. Yeah, but it, you know, thinking back, this is this is what George R. R. Martin does so well. He t- just like the first season of Game of Thrones. If you take if you take that last, you know, Ned's story up to that point, that last episode, you know, everything's in place that Ned's going to get out, that uh, he's going to get a reprise. We're going to find out about, uh, he's going to get the information out about Baratheon's children. He's going to, things are going a certain way. And then Martin pulls the rug out from underneath you. He loses his head. That shit goes wrong. Except this time... He did it the other way around. Shit going wrong. You know you're going to be let down. You know you're going to hate yourself in the morning for watching this damn show that does this to you every time. And suddenly they pull the rug out from underneath you and you're like, oh my God, I feel happy about the Game of Thrones show again. Yeah, everything went right. So Cersei's pretty evil, but I don't know about you, but by the time she blew up King's Landing... I was happy. Well, she didn't blow I, I was up happy. all of King's Landing. No, she no, no. She just blew up the Sept. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she, she smoked a few people, you know? Uh, goodbye, Sparrow. Goodbye, Queen. Goodbye, oh, whole good bunch God. of the Tyrell family. The goodbye, Tyrells are... Goodbye, Marjorie. Can we have a moment for Queen Marjorie? I mean, that was one... That was one pretty young lady, and, and man, that's a way to go out. But... Like, the best thing about that episode, and and this is the moment, because all through the High Sparrow, every time you've met the guy, and this is, I can't remember the actor's name, but he played the father of uh, Kira Knightley in Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. Uh, But ever since you've met him, he has been confident, he has been non-repentant about his devotion to the gods, he's been... You know, he's been a rock to to his faith. And at the moment that they realize something's wrong, he has this look of... Uh-oh. Well, I mean, it's not just that. You know, it's not the comical, uh-oh. You know, it's that, that look of, of doubt washing over him. Yeah. Just before shit goes down. And it's just... Oh, perfect. I mean, I, I don't know... You know, sometimes you don't... People talk about great directors like Spielberg and this kind of thing, and, and Spielberg is a great director, but there are sometimes like these guys, and, and I apologize, I don't know the director's name of this episode, but the direction he gave and the performances in, in these episodes were absolutely stunning. I was there, I was in the world, nothing else existed except for the show at that time, and thank you, that was amazing. Yeah, it was really great. Um I enjoyed the scene where uh, 
Tommen finally to see and decided to take a flying leap. Well, and that was that's another thing I want to talk about. Like I mentioned, oh, I, knew I mentioned what was coming, the Battle man. of the Bastards was kind of like Braveheart. Well, the finale was kind of like the Godfather. I mean, that was like there's a scene that the scene you're talking about is where Tommen is looking out out his window and sees the sep in ruins and it's still burning and he the, the the camera doesn't move. It focuses on the window. Tommen walks away, sets the crown down and holds. It holds for like what seems like an eternity. And then of course you see Tommen walk back up and just fall out of the window and, and you're like, and like, I knew it was coming, dude. I knew it. I knew it the moment the camera held. I was like, he's about to walk back in set and wee I was like, sweet, because that kid, you know, for all the bad things Joffrey was, how evil he was, that's how stupid Tommen was. Well, not, Tom- well, now, come on, now, let's, let's not reduce this down to that kind of thing. It's, Tommen wasn't stupid, but he was, he was inexperienced, and yes. he was not uh, brash like Joffrey. Now, now right, let, don't right. get me wrong, but- I don't like Joffrey, but... If Joffrey was still king, whenever the queen and Marjorie got kidnapped, there would be a bloodbath in the sep. That oh, would that's not what I'm happened. saying. Yeah. Like, oh, well, here's the thing. The way I look, you know, you you could have kept Jamie, and you you could have kept him. You could have just killed everybody right then. You could have done it. So what? The the peasants get mad. You're a Lannister. You don't care if, what the peasants think of you. All these characters are just so well done. I mean, Jamie, you could make an argument for, well, Jamie wouldn't do that because he's he's a good guy. Wait a minute. Jamie's this guy who's who's doing this with his sister and and he did this and he's he's honorable. Well, he's not honorable. No, he is honorable, but not in this way. I mean, it's just these these characters are so deep and and complicated and real people that you feel this Watching the first episode of of Game of Thrones, you're like, there's no way I could ever like or feel anything for Jamie or Cersei. But over the course of this show, you've come to love Jamie and his sense of honor, honor and, and what he's done to save people and what he's done for the people in his life and for the people he loves and what he's done for love. And Cersei, there's even... Cersei, you, lo- you learn to hate... But, I mean, there's even points in the series where whenever the Walk of Atonement happens, you, you feel for Cersei. I mean, it's just, that is that episode was done so well. You, you, you got to look away. I mean, it's just, the punishment didn't befit the crime. Uh, and it right. seems that way. Um, I mean, I could, I could sit here and pour my heart out about the show, but I mean... Oh, it, it was, in, it's it was incredible. Television. But let, let's, let, let's be honest here. If we're going to... If we're going to be in a room and and one of these characters is going to be in front of you and it's going to be a character that you really you you don't want to pick a scary person to be intimidated by. Don't put me in the room with Liana Mormont. (laughs) She will tear your face off and feed it to you. Uh, Since you mentioned a meme earlier, I'm going to mention one that that really got me. And it was it was a picture of George R. R. Barton going had his hands clasped together. He's like, ooh, so you like Leanna Mormont, do you? Hmm, I hope nothing Aww. happens to her. And then he had a picture of her going, did you just threaten me? And he's like, no, 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 no. I I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's right. You don't mess with Leanna Mormont. She is awesome, man. They're all sitting around, blah, blah, blah. Who's this? Who's that? She just puts all these grown men in check. I mean, she straight up called them out. That's the one thing. Usually you're sitting around. A lot of dignitaries won't call out other dignitaries. She cares none. She will call you out and tell you what you did wrong. Every single one of you publicly in front of people, in front of your men, in front of women. She doesn't care. She'll call you out on it. She's the queen of Bear Island. She has 62 fighting men and she will mess you up. Yes. Awesome. Man, I just. The whole season finale was incredible, though. I uh, I love the part where, uh, you know, obviously we had our flashback. Suspicions were confirmed that Jon Snow is not a Snow. He's not a Stark. He He's a Targaryen. 
That man's a Targaryen. Well, was it though? I mean, the show. The oh sh- come on! No, no, no! Oh, hold come on, on! Hold on! The show I definitely agree. let you know Jon Snow was a Stark. Now, it did not say who the father was, except for HBO later came out with a graphic that did say, "Oh yeah, yeah, Rhaegar Targaryen's his father." Like, oh, well, okay. I mean, I guess they knew it was that obvious at the time that they did that. So it is, it is official that Rhaegar Targaryen is Jon Snow's father. But right. the question is so, now that everybody's been talking about, what's Jon Snow's true name? Well, I mean, I'm sure it's Targaryen. Well, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's true first the, name. I mean, she whispered it to to Ned. So right. Yes. You you wonder, uh, just speaking on, on John's part, is he going to fight his aunt? Do you think he's going to fight his aunt? No, and uh, if we want to start some speculation, we can. Um, I believe, like, of course, there's going to be two fronts of, of war coming up on the next two seasons. Number one, the, uh, the first front is going to be, of course, uh, the men of the north holding off the White Walkers and the, and the Whites. Um, the second front, of course, is going to be King's Landing, Daenerys versus Cersei, which that oh, yeah. that's going to be a really interesting battle. You've got a consummate salesman in uh, the Onion Knight, um, Sir Davos uh, Seaworthy, uh, and, and they're coming in with these battle-hardened pirates or uh, uh, men from the Iron Islands, led by Yara and Theon. Yeah. You've got dragons coming in. You've got they, man. This is going to be amazing. They should be able. They should be able to show up and thump King's Landing in in the head. I mean, you'd think, right? They're yeah. going to show up. I mean, what does King's Landing have? They just got part of their city blown up. I don't think they're ready for battle. Uh, I no, I don't think that's that big of a thing. They just blew up the sap. But, but you got to remember. Then again, you it's going to take a long time to cross the ocean. So and, I mean, I don't know how far it is. But I'm sure time will go on by the time season seven kicks off. Are you sure? Because Varys seemed to cross the uh, uh, like the Flash. Cause that is true, Varys, like that man. Oh, before before we go, one one more thing. Well, I, 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 and, but I, I know I know you're not done. Before one thing I want to get out there before we go about the season finale is. One little tidbit that I loved. Walter Frey got uh, what was coming to him. Right, I believe, I believe uh, yeah. Arya fed him up a nice meal of his sons. Eesh, that was Yes, nice. I love it. That Dude, I, I can't sucker. wait to see where Arya goes. I've, ne- I've never hated uh, Filch so much in my life. I hope his cat <laughs> gets cut in the neck, too. <laughs> That's awesome. But, yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about was that uh, in in that battle, you know, the last time a sea battle happened at Camp, at uh, King's Landing at the Battle of Blackwater Bay, what's what what won the war there? You, you'll have to just continue on. Don't ask me questions like that. <laughs> they they put a bunch of wildfire on on those ships and they just burned in the bay. You know that they've got a bunch of wildfires still hidden underneath the city. That is true. You are correct. Because she said, is the rumors true? And he said, yes, there's more. Much more. So, I agree with you. Mm. Yeah, somebody mm. I was talking to was like, was well, thinking that they used the entire, all of the wildfire underneath. No. I was like, no, 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 no. They had, they, the, well, the Mad King had enough under the entire city to burn it all. So, I mean, right. they didn't obviously use it there. Well, I mean, yeah, you, you could throw that on Daenerys' ships, true. But uh, in the process of carrying it or moving it, you, you don't think Mr. Dragon is going to uh, spit a little fire on there and set you on fire with your own poison? Well, that's where strategy comes in. I don't know how you do it, but I guarantee it'll get done. It's going to be awesome. I cannot wait. And... It, oh man, it was such a good episode. It was a really great episode, and I can't wait for the next season to start up. I've, I've never been a bigger fan of Game of Thrones as I am right now. But we're running long on time. We've had a great episode. Man, I can't tell you how much fun this weekend was, uh, this episode was. Let's yeah. let's get tell put me. the nail in this coffin. What do you want to say? I'm going to say keep listening if you're listening to this. Give us feedback. 
tell a friend about it. We would really like to get the word out that we have a podcast that we're really trying to uh, work hard on our production levels. We're working hard on trying to make it better. I'm taking feedback from the people that I know I listen. Rick and I are talking about it, how to make it better each week. And if you listen to it, let us know your opinion. If you're in another city, in another place, away from the Little Rock, Arkansas, or the Batesville, Arkansas area, tweet us. Give us feedback. Shoot us an email. We'd, I'd be happy to reply to you and let you know what, uh, you know, reply to you. Any questions, comments, concerns you have, I'd love it. Yes, and please hit me up on Facebook and uh, give us some shares. And I'm trying to get more news up there every day about what's going on in our day-to-day lives and uh, and all that other stuff. But that's all we got for this week. I'm Ricky. And I'm Sean. We're out. We're out.